Hello everyone, it's Ahead from C3 Panel. It's been a while, we've had some production issues, so I've decided to do a series of interviews with illustrators and artists. And the first illustrator or artist that I'm going to be work uh, interviewing in this series is John Peter Meering. John Peter is an illustrator and animator living in London, England, and he is the owner and operator of Odd Pumpkin, which he opened up after uh, having a career in advertising design. He has a passion for creating children's books, illustrations and animations, and he prefers illustrating digitally on his graphic tablets and is always trying to hide his pen from his crafty but adorable dog. How are you doing, John? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. How about you? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you for agreeing to be interviewed by me today. So I, yeah, I was just looking at a few of your projects. I thought it'd be, be nice to kind of talk about some of the stuff that you've put on your website. And kind of think one of the my favorite things that I think I saw on there was the the biscuit animation. So I was just wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit, a little bit about that. Yeah, no problem at all. I, uh, that is one still one of my favorites to yeah. debate as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But um I, uh, for that animation, I was working for a studio in Birmingham in the middle of England. And that was actually the first year that I moved to England uh, back in 2000 and I think 16 or 17. And it was a, I won't mention name the name of the company. I think they are quite huge, but they are a gambling, gambling uh, corporation. And I was placed into the marketing department to create some social media fun, but try to lighten up the, um, well, the, the industry of gambling, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I came up, I came up with a concept basically for, you know, just to create some sort of thing. Actually, that, that animation didn't go live. The uh, art director thought it was a bit too wacky, but uh I was allowed to keep it and show it off myself, really. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of just like the the uh, kind of anarchic kind of sense of humor that kind of comes through it. So I I really enjoyed that particular project, and I'm kind of the reason why I I wanted to interview today was kind of kind of the second project that was on your website, which was a comic strip about uh, uh, two people trying to find a restaurant via the mobile phone so i was just wondering if you could uh, maybe talk about how that came about as well oh right yeah that's that that was a it's that's and that project is still actually ongoing okay um, but they so a I'm, i can't i can't really pronounce their their name i'm very bad at these things but my english is not my first language but how are we Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The mobile Huawei. phone and yeah, Huawei. Yeah, I think that, that there is a lot of controversy about how you're supposed to pronounce their name. So yeah. some people say Huawei, some people say Huawei. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't worry about that one too much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's quite confusing for myself as well. But <clears throat> yeah, I was commissioned by them to write and create some light humoured situations using. And of you know art form of obviously wonderful comics, um, like kind of comic strip, and to try and highlight the features of the technology that they put out there. But for that particular project, I was just trying to 
yeah, I was just trying to, to just to try to make something funny out of it, really. But I, I enjoyed they enjoyed the art style, they enjoyed the the scripts or the uh, the writing of it, and it went it went down pretty well. It's got a lot of good feedback on that one. Yes, yeah, so, I mean that kind of flows nicely into my next question. Kind of what your art style influences? Kind of where do you draw inspirations from from the way that you you choose to to illustrate? Because it is quite, you know, your kind of children's illustrations are kind of, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? They're kind of, they, they play around with the, the shape of the human form and monsters and mm. that sort of thing, kind of, you know, playing around with ge- geometric shapes as well. So I was just wondering kind of how you came to find that, um, came came to kind of develop that that style. I, I honestly... It took me a very long time on how to develop my own style. I, I have to be honest about that. That I I suppose it's just because of the years going by that I was working in animation studios and you had to really follow the, the guide of the particular show that I was working on. You know, in, for instance, like Peppa Pig and the Adventures of Wonder Over Yonder, you had to be able to copy the shape and style of that character or those characters and then doing that over the years i think i developed or i leaned more towards a certain style in of what i would like to do and i think it just it came down to the fact that or just the plain fact that i like the geometric styles i like over over stretched proportions and big eyes or no pupils and all sorts of things like that. But the problem is, is that the client picks the style and you unfortunately sometimes have to follow that style and you try and put your own flair in it. So your own, your own two cents into it. And usually it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to start from scratch really. That's quite interesting. I don't think a lot of people realize when you're working on a brief or working with a client, what a collaborative process it can be. So it's just what's kind of the scripting process like when you're taking on a, a project, kind of what's your, your kind of design process as well? I would say the, the design process, I think the hardest part is actually getting information out of the clients and what they're thinking they want, but not exactly knowing what they want because they, usually come to you to put some imagery or some life into what exactly they're trying to bring across. So that I'm honest to, that is the honest hard part to, to get through one process. So it's a lot of emails back and forth. It's a lot of phone calls, zoom calls to try and determine what exactly they're trying to say and how you can say it. But I think the, as soon as you get to after the scripts and then after the script is approved, the easy part is then bringing characters in life with imagery or uh, illustrations into what exactly needs to be said. That is, that is the easiest part. I think the hardest part, like I said, is the, the, uh, the admin conversations beforehand, but usually it's from, approved scripts to rough sketches and then after that is the easy part of just making everything look quite beautiful okay so do you have like much influence in the scripting of a project or does it kind of very much depend on client to client and really from client to client some clients have a definite script 
And then some clients is like, well, this is what I want and I don't know how to say it and I don't know how it wants it to look. So it's, it depends to clients, clients really. So I suppose that kind of you need to do quite a lot of research before you go into a brief to kind of understand, you know, not just the client's place within the market, but also mm. you know, boring stuff about their brand identity and all that sort of like marketing <laughs> oh, rank as well. Yeah. 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 That's it. Exactly. That that's exactly it. And they, they want their, their, their brand, which is usually quite mundane and, and straightforward. They want to bring some life into it. So you want, they want you to do something create creative with it. And that is, that is the hard part. You have to research the entire brand identity, what they stand for and how you can do something creative for them. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I used to work in kind of social media mm. marketing and, whenever we were trying to hire external thankfully i was never involved in writing the briefs but i, I you know, i'd read the briefs that my colleague colleagues had had written and they were kind of quite tortuous documents to kind of like get through and i was just thinking i'm, I'm really glad i'm not on the uh, uh you know the the other end of this trying to figure out actually what a client wants i think is can be quite oh. uh, quite a difficult thing so you, you work on like a variety of different things so you've you've done illustrations and children's books your animation work and as as well as um comic book strips um do you have a preference uh, as to which one of those formats you you prefer to to work in or does it you know very much depend on on the project itself i think uh, in this day and age it's it's quite it's quite hard i've been i've been struggling this with this for years because the main goal that i always wanted to strive for was to only stick with illustrations i only wanted to do anything and everything with books and publishing books of children's books to comic strips to comic books itself i but you know work like that doesn't come around very often so you know you you improvise on how you can stay afloat with the with the bills and the debts and you know animation work brings in uh, quite a lot of money and combining illustration and animation brings you a lot, also, again, a lot more money than previously stated. So my preference would have always and still today is just to grab an iPad, sit on the beach and draw a client for a client's work or for a book or a, a commission of a standalone illustration, literally just to stick with, anim- with the illustration. That would be the dream. That, okay, so kind of one of my my questions later on is kind of what does success look like for you and stuff? So for six, success for you would look like just having a portfolio of clients that would want illustration work from you. Then I'm guessing. I suppose I think what what would success would be for me would be having three book deals uh, to finish books within a year. Yeah, that would that would that would be success. That would be you would you would plan them to a t you would get all the stages done and then carry on with the next book have a mini a mini holiday in the middle of book one or two and then finish the third book in later in the year and i think that would be that would be it okay i mean that's that, that sounds like pretty sweet in, in terms of like your working process how long does it kind of take for you to kind of you know from initial inception to kind of like you know final final version to the client how long does that kind of like usually take for you to kind of like complete because 
you know, I, I speak to a lot of artists and mm. it, it kind of varies. It varies a lot on kind of, you know, things like inspiration, uh, passion, burnout, and all those sorts of things. So mm. is it kind of a similar sort of thing for you as well? And it's, it, it, again, it depends on who the client is and what they want. But let's take, for example, the book I'm doing now at the moment it would be, you know, going through going through their scripts and, you know, then making storyboards and after that making rough sketches of the characters. And the time frame, usually they would say they would give you off a time frame or a deadline for for the end products. And then I would I would either push back or accept and I would set stages for each stage. You know, I'd set time for each stage of the process. So usually for let's say for a book uh, three months is is uh, as acceptable time but yeah the the problem is you either have projects in between because either you can't afford only to have that project going on at the moment so it's a lot of multitasking it's a lot of dealing with a lot of projects and you know uh, splitting your time into three parts of the day but it all depends on the budget and on, 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 on time and things like that, really. So I mean, I'm kind of quite interested in, in, in your background as well. You, you're born and raised in South Africa, kind of some of the information you, you sent over to me about some of your you know, favorite films and, and TV shows like uh, Free Willy and, and Jurassic Park and mm. uh, Never Ending Story. So, yeah, one question I always like to ask people when I'm talking about comics is kind of what is the first comic that you kind of remember reading? I so like I think my sister brought home a bunch of comics from her ex-boyfriend who he was a he was a bit of a dark soul so he had he he introduced me to Spawn uh when I was 10 to 11 years old it is it yeah. is quite dark yeah. for that age yeah. but I was fascinated I was gripped I I absolutely loved the the dark the dark things um the dark humor and the dark stories so that's why i also ventured into batman quite young as well yeah. but my first comic my first 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 comic that i ever read was ascension and ascension was a top cow comic book it was part of the image image uh version of top cow and ascension was one of them alongside with witchblade the darkness and then spawn as well and i i was neck deep in all of those comics i started collecting all of those and then later on i started easing up on the on the dark part of those stories and i found a few great artists like uh, scotty young who is probably still to this day my favorite um writer and illustrator he is fantastic. Okay, that's that's. Real. I, I'm always like curious when I speak to people from who, who grew up in different countries about kind of what uh, comic books and graphic novels they mm. kind of had access to because yeah, each country's got its own like comic book traditions. Mm. I think so. I was just wondering, are there any kind of like you know South African comic books that you kind of read as a kid? I'm kind of specifically thinking you know in in the UK we've got things like. The, the the dandy mm. and the beano and um kind of viz magazine as well so was were, were you exposed to kind of any of those uh things in south africa in terms of not you know dandy and the beano but were there any uh, comic books like that like that out there i would say similar to yeah. to to that but i think like the, the most famous 
The most famous thing that we were all exposed to was a comic strip that we always went into the uh, newspapers and magazines was Madam and Eve, which it's based off, you know, obviously uh, Adam and Eve. And it was playing, it was playing on the, the light or the very bad racism that went on in South Africa. But it was between a maid and a, and a house owner. And they always had these weird arguments. And that's, I saw the engagement of how to make comics with taking a very sore subject and just making a humor out of it. That was the one of the first ones. But there are, back in the day, there weren't a lot of options. There was, you know, art was not a foreseeable career when I was growing up in South Africa. We, we you know, we grew up thinking that it was either sports or being a mechanic or something that always made money in made money very fast the art wasn't very much a considered part of uh, a career and but this is what you know i i i was exposed to anyway um and then only later on really when the, the internet came along and uh you know amazon and all of those things that uh, you know things things started opening up and you could you, i was exposed to a lot more things in that regard because you could only really find some, you know, the comic book stores were one and very far in between. You would find one comic book store within 100 kilometers of driving. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, it, thought, I thought things were bad in the UK, but that's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a longer distance to go. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then obviously the, the cost of the comics as well, because they're coming from America, they're coming from the UK, they're coming from all over the place. So the cost, you can only buy one or two comics with your pocket money really like once every month or something like that you know oh yeah yeah you know, either either it was a comic book every month or a playstation game you, you you had to choose oh it was that expensive it was it was oh wow that kind of that kind of puts things in uh to perspective a little bit if it's between like a video game and you know a couple of comics that's mm. that's really expensive yeah no it was it was quite expensive but and eventually then you you just make a plan and then that's when uh, the whole uh what is what is it what was it called the not copywriting but um you would burn cds with games and you would just do it you know okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. eventually when you when you when you know how to do that then you can save money really yeah yeah you can <laughs> Not that we would advocate um, no, 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 no. doing that, of, of course not. So it's, it's it's quite interesting that you were talking about your, your most memorable exposures being to comic books like uh, Spawn and Ascension. Um, and I was just, you, you know, you mentioned in your website, you know, for some reason you can't stop drawing technical uh, ten, uh, tentacles monsters and uh cute little critters so i was just wondering if you if you think you know that's maybe had an influence on your art style and you know maybe some of the you know uh, the uh, the anarchic uh, sense of humor i've seen in some of your work as well uh, absolutely i think it's um you know growing up with you know my friends and my 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 sisters who had a very dark sense of humor i think yeah. that it just it literally and obviously the material i was just digesting from spawn darkness and all sorts of uh, funny movies and all sorts of things that it, it literally came through into into my eyes and that's why i love drawing something as scary or as a, like, as a monster but 
you know there's a bit of a humor to it because it's so friendly or it's it's there's there's some sort of twist to it instead of having a plain jane type of scenario yeah i think i think it's always good when you've got your own take on things and i think especially for children i think fear is quite an important emotion to explore to kind of like test your boundaries and and uh things of that nature mm, absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely so um outside of your that, your commercial work that you're doing at the moment are you working on any kind of like personal project either illustrations or comic books or kind of animation or is it you know at the, at the moment are you just having to kind of uh you know feed the wallet with, with your commercial work well unfortunately it's always feeding the wallet you know feeding the wallets um it's been you know since the the beginning of the pandemic it has not stopped it's it's been very successful with client work and great projects that I've gotten so far, but there always has been a personal work that I've been doing myself. So I've been, I've been doing like kind of like a visual diary of something of my life. And I draw certain, every page or every second page is a scenario that I thought of, of the, an experience that I've, I've experienced that day and I draw some sort of comic and make a, make a, a comment about it. And I feel that if I could take all of those uh, drawings and, and, and scripts that I've put together, I feel that I can put a, make a book out of it, but to have some sort of, you know, story behind it. So that's, that's been going on for quite a while. And I think hopefully that I, if the, uh, if the the, if the the important client's work stops eventually, then I can start doing you know that passion project really because I would love to get that out. Okay, that sounds really interesting. I'm always so, uh, me and Cole have got slightly different interests in terms of the the comic books we read. So I he's he's very much into like monster stories and horror and things like this. Where I've I kind of I like nonfiction graphic graphic novels. So I'm always uh, interested in like biographies and mm. things of that nature so that yeah you know, I, I think it's a really important way of exploring the for you know exploring the uh what the format can do in terms of uh comic books and graphic novels i i know it's you know you're probably not at the stage where you you're, you're prepared to kind of like talk about uh talk about in huge detail but have you any idea how how many pages this complete die would would be would it be a multimedia project where it's some comic scripts with with writing or would it be kind of like a, a full a full graphic novel i think at, at the at this point in time i have round about 60 to 65 pages filled with you know scribbles and, and and rough drawings and everything like that i think if i had to format it and put it in a nice digital format i think it'll come up to like at least yeah. 80 pages um and I've started. I started this daily drawing thing. I think it was uh, 2000, 2012, when I was going through a very tough time, and 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 I thought that this would help. You know, it's it's, it's uh, a lot of people either write down in their diaries or whatever the case may be. But I thought that it could be like a therapeutic uh, type of therapy to it. But I yeah I think literally I think it will come up to be a graphic novel but it in certain sections yeah so subdivided into the time of this period to the time that I was very happy or the time of very sad or whatever the case may be 
I that's the part I still need to figure out, and that's literally the hard work, but the fun part too. Yeah, I think uh, it's always when you when you start off on a project um, because I, I write a little bit myself, kind of nice. f- figuring out what the scope of it is going to be is mm. like one of the hardest things. And uh, yeah, I'm quite often on places like Reddit and uh, things like this, and you've got these excitable young script writers that say I've got this mm. 100 page like graphic you know graphic novel and I'm just thinking well you, you really kind of start off small and maybe you try and write uh, a four page uh, I mean a, a four panel funny and then kind of build it up for this I think yeah. you know what you're doing in terms of you know doing the daily the daily practice I think is is definitely going to be helpful in terms of both the discipline and kind of understanding what the the scope of what you're trying to create is as well that's that's yeah it's exactly that it's like no you know your limits yeah no creating so much material is great but you you need to you the, the, like I, always my art teacher said um keep it simple stupid and <laughs> simple. yeah 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 that but it's no, literally simple cells yeah. simple and overcomplicated and overabundance of material does not it just confuses people and it even confuses you more. So absolutely, I t- definitely agree with and that. And I think that's something comes across in your um, your art style uh, as well, actually, is that there is a clarity of vision in a lot of the stuff that you that but I've seen that in your portfolio, at least there's a kind of a clarity to the image and the story storytelling. That's it kind of makes it easy to understand what you're trying to do without overburdening it with lots of complicated uh, lines or colorings and then things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly every, every stroke is a thought of what's what to do next. Are you, is this something that yeah. you'd want to do yourself or would you be kind of open up for collaborating with, with other people on it? Or is it kind of very much something that you want to, you'd want to shape yourself? I think actually, no, I would love to actually co- collaborate with other people on this one because I love what I essentially want to do is to have, obviously the majority of the illustrations will be mine, but I would love to have other artists to develop, you know, read what I've written and then develop what they envision. I love seeing that from somebody else's perspective. So I think having different artists or even, even script writers um, to read what I've written and then create something additional to it to to carry on stretch it out as far as i can and see if it works uh, i would love to do this with other people yeah that, that, i mean that's it's it's always kind of like exciting a little bit frightening when you kind of bring other people on board a project mm-hmm. i mean if you're looking for people to collaborate a shout out to friends of the podcast uh work in progress uh london that they're, they're a fantastic community of people that create comic books so if you're, if you're looking for someone to to work with or just you know if you're working on the project and you, you need someone to have a look at the progress that you're making i i, I can't recommend that you know they meet once once a month on um saturdays and that they're doing most of their sessions virtually so i'll, I'll send you a link to their to, to, you know to those guys yeah. as well but yeah um if there are any book people out there that may be struggling or whatever work in progress or there there's such a, l- a lovely bunch of guys and joe who has previously appeared on the podcast is he just he's, he's managed to help maintain this community to to shout out shout out to joe as well i think they're doing the hackney zine at some point uh so yeah so um yeah shout out to those guys so uh so you, you mentioned you you prefer to 
work uh, digitally when when you're kind of animate what when you're working with uh, illustrations or comics why uh, why do you prefer kind of that method as opposed to more traditional uh, techniques with um paper and ink i think i mean i absolutely still to this day pref- like love working traditional but i think obviously i every single time i intend to do it traditionally there is a deadline there is a time constraint and working digitally is just literally faster in terms of that that's that's mainly most of the reason and i i honestly thoroughly enjoy digital but there's just something again like with working tradi- uh, traditionally is it's therapeutic it's you, you you stick on some music and it's friday friday night and you're just drawing and inking away it's just it's great i love it but that's i think with traditional it just suits personal projects yes. more yeah i can i can kind of understand that um it, it- yeah i mean with the mainly what sometimes what i do is uh, if i have nothing to do over the weekend i literally take an old skateboard i sand it down and i draw on it and i create a clock out of it or something oh that's really cool that's really nice yeah man. yeah i I was I was thinking of you know doing this for to sell uh, or whatnot, but I, I again I don't have the time. Yeah. There's so many, so many ideas to do, but I don't have the time for it. I really wish I could, but yeah. Yeah, it, kind of what software and tools are you using uh, to, to work digitally? I'm always interested in what people. Sorry, I'm always interested mm. in what kit people um, are using to to uh, create. I. For years, I've been, I, I swore on, uh, obviously, a Wacom tablet with Photoshop. It's still, you know, it's still one of the best tools today. But I honestly, I can't stop working on my iPad with the Procreate. It's fantastic. Okay, uh, that's, that's really interesting. I think you're the first person that I've interviewed that actually uses the iPad in in, in that way with um, Procreate. Was it... A, is it was it a big was it a big leap to go from using the the, the Wacom to the iPad? Or was it kind of pretty? Was it a smooth transition? I think for me it was it was a smooth transition. I think it was if you if you're excited to to be on the iPad, it it makes it a lot better. Yeah. The transition is a lot easier. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love my you know 32 inch whack on and it's smooth and it's big and it's comfortable but there's just something so cool with just literally we're sitting on the couch lying down the pooch is on your lap and you you can still watch movies and 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 uh draw on the ipad and it's smooth it's fast it doesn't crash Uh, you know you can use your fingers to color in things quickly instead of you know creating paths on on photoshop i don't know there's just there's something unique about it i mean sometimes obviously i do take the work that i do on the on the pro uh, on procreate and i bring it into photoshop to do some tonal and contrast and brightness yeah. you know all the all the things that the ipad can't do but honestly there's now they have photoshop on the ipad and you can do all of that already it's literally a mini mini laptop and it's it's fantastic i love that's, it that's that's really I, I, I actually I do find that um fascinating because the way you kind of described your process there is kind of like you're almost wor- working on um a notebook and sketching in the part mm. um uh, in your lap rather than having this weird cybergenetic like setup where you've got like a tablet there and you're looking at a screen and you're not really looking at what you're drawing because you're looking at the mm. screen so I think there's there's something there's a lot to be said about that yeah yeah absolutely and I think also the one thing that 
people don't realize, especially when if you have a, a, a Surface Pro or iPad or notebook, you if you the change in attitude or the change in workflow when you're away from your big cybernetic network on your by your table, if you draw somewhere else, under sitting under a tree or somewhere at a, co- a coffee shop in London, the the workflow either makes it either better or you know I draw better or I draw worse. It's it's it all depends on your mood, your feeling, and the idea you have at that point in time. And drawing with the iPad in a coffee shop and drawing people around you or some sort of idea you see in, in on a on the side of a truck or a bus, it you don't get those moments sitting in front of your computer all the time. Yeah, that's sorry. That's I think that's mm. um you know first person that kind of mentioned that um uh, kind of mentioned kind of you know how different uh, you know where you, you know, where you draw really does affect um how you draw so I, I think that's a really that's a fascinating point that you've um you've, you've kind of raised and i think that's definitely a question i'm going to be asking um mm. <laughs> in the in the future yeah it's a big can of worms really i think it really is though because um where you you know I think especially, you know, given the part what's happened the past um, 18 months, almost mm. two years with like the pandemic, a lot of people have been locked indoors. And, and I think that has affected the creative output for a lot of people. I've, I've, I think we've all kind of realized how important it is for, for human beings to be kind of out and about and bumping into mm. each other and having these you know, weird interactions or you know, awkward moments with, with, with uh, other people and, you know, listening to birdsong or, you know, going on a train and all these things, it all, mm. it all filters into your head and kind of comes out later on if you're a creative person. So yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. It's, you don't, you don't get creativity from literally sitting behind your desk. You, you, you situations and life is out there. So just, you know, going around for a walk and, and listening to, you know, birds singing or the, 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 the screeching of a bad car break or you know, anything it's, it creates ideas. It creates, it stimulates your brain. So I, I realized this in the first and second lockdown. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go sit in a forest with the iPad and let my dog run around going crazy. He's chasing squirrels while I work under a tree. It, and, and it worked. It literally did me wonders in terms of the mental state. I think that's great that you found that, that methodology, you know, get, get your work done and, and keep your, um, your, your mental health where it kind of needed to be, um, as yeah. well. So, so, um, you know, one of the things I like to, uh, ask people is what you've, what have they been reading lately? So it doesn't need to be necessarily, um, graphic novels or, or comic books, but, you know, recommendations, um, in those formats would be greatly appreciated. I, I, have you been reading any interesting or, books or listening to uh, any interesting uh, podcasts um so i always i always listen to podcasts when i work it's either uh, re-watching some sort of a tv series that i love yeah. uh, background yeah. noise or listening to podcasts and lately the podcast that i've been listening to i've just found one called king falls am and i love story bound uh podcasts it's it's um you know it's it's a full it's full blown uh, story and it you know goes on for thousands of episodes um and it's it's fantastic i i love uh, that um king falls am what's that about 
so it's basically it's basically said like when a radio a radio a famous radio presenter goes to a small town in somewhere in the middle of America. You know, it's it's uh, it's literally hardly any technology or you know anything that's just all about fishing and pancakes and all sorts of things like that. And the every episode, there's some sort of horrific ghost that comes up or a werewolf or there's this this town is literally haunted and every episode something bad or something new comes along but how they twist the humor with the scary part and there's obviously there's a main plot and there's the, the you fall in love with the characters because they just they are so funny they're so funny and then they obviously have like weird uh radio adverts that they make you know that the producers make themselves and the voice acting's so funny and so good i i thoroughly enjoy you know listening to that podcast mm. and you you're a, before i cut across you you're about to mention um another podcast or a book i think uh so a book of uh, the book i'm reading now at the moment i'm on a series i think it's book actually three now and it's called monstrous um it's absolutely beautiful. I yeah, yeah. that's um that is a a book that we've reviewed on the on the podcast. Both myself and Cole love it. The mm. artwork is just unbelievably something it is unbelievably gorgeous. I mean, the 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 world design, the the coloring, the inking, the the way they you know the line work is just um just sublime. I, I, I every time I read it or go like a like a double page spread, I get goosebumps. Like I honestly hope and wish that they would make a movie about this because oh my gosh, these characters, you know the the, the tiger pirates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic. Yeah, that's a fantastic. Sequence, it's unbelievable, yeah. and the cats with like six tails and. Everything is just so it's so. I can't recommend it. It enough, is a, really. a gorgeous, gorgeous comic book. It's got superb writing. The characters and the dialogue are fantastic as well. Go listen to our review of that if if if, if you're not if you're not convinced. It is yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a good shout. It's a very it's a very good choice that you've made there. One of my favorite things about Monstrous is like the detail they put into the fabrics of the, the, the clothes that people oh. are wearing. And we're just thinking, how long must that have taken you to, to, to do? It's <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, un unreal. It's just, yeah, the guns, the armor, the, 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 the it's, yeah, uh, she's, she's, she is a goddess. <laughs> this this illustrator is a goddess. I'm sorry. Like, it's crazy. And uh, even Neil Gaiman said, remarkable and beautifully made book. Like, it's crazy. So, yeah. So I think, have I got any more questions for you? Oh, yes. What, what projects are you um, uh, working on next? Is there anything that we should be keeping an eye on? So there is actually quite a very, very cool book. I'm uh, a children's book I'm working on at the moment. It's based, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm allowed yeah. to talk about it, but it's based off Mickey uh, the Chimpanzee, who was based in Liverpool in the 19... I think it was 1953 or 1946. I'm not quite sure in the year. I need to actually <laughs> double check on that. 
But um, yeah, Mickey, Mickey the chimpanzee who escaped the Liverpool Zoo sixteen times. Oh, okay, a bit of an escape artist. Yeah. So the so this author bought the rights uh, to uh, write a, a, a story about this chimpanzee, and he's created a wonderful world of of uh, literally of of the, the entire scenario of uh, Mickey the chimpanzee. So I, I'm working on now that at the moment um, that should be out. Uh, hopefully end of September, if everything goes well. But other than that, there's obviously just, you know, oh, there's uh, educational books that I've been doing at the moment. And it's just all now social media animations, really, that's uh, keeping me afloat and keeping me busy. That's, that, that sounds good. So uh, is there anything that I uh, haven't asked you that I should have? Let's see. I think, I think actually you've asked me everything you know you've, we've covered equipment we've covered inspiration and uh, current inspiration i think everything has literally been talked about really okay that's great um uh john could you please let people know where they can find you on the internet uh social media and uh, all that good stuff yeah of course uh so my uh website is currently at uh, oddpumpkinstudio.com you can find me on instagram twitter and Facebook, uh, it's uh, Odd Pumpkin Studio, uh, Lower Dash Studio um, UK, and you'll find me all all the information on there, basically. Okay, so it just uh, leads me to say uh, thank you for speaking with, taking the time out of your day to, to speak to me, John. Um, it's been a really uh, pleasant and insightful uh, conversation. No problem. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, guys, if yeah, for the rest of our listeners. Uh, season two of audio bookish my other uh, podcast is well underway we've got potentially some exciting um author interviews uh coming up so please keep your ears open for that we just uh, finished reviewing true crime story by jovis knox which i think might be my audio book of the year we've got two free i've got two free of these uh, interviews planned so yeah just uh, keep your um eyes on your feeds uh thank you john oh no problem thanks very much Okay, guys, bye.